Thank you, Spirit, today, uh, and the great uh, miraculous work of the Holy Spirit that day uh, at Pentecost, uh, as today in all of our lives. Uh, I simply want to pray a very short prayer uh, at the start of this talk this morning. Um, perhaps you'd like to join me in it as we say to Lord, we thank you for your gift uh, of your Spirit that gift that sets us on fire, that gift that lifts us to newness of life, that gift that breathes new life into us. And so, Lord, as we meditate on your word now and as we dwell on your goodness to us, we simply say, breathe on us, breath of God, and fill us, we pray, with life anew. In that name of all names, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I want to begin by telling you uh, a short story this morning. It's a true story. Uh, it's a story that was told uh, uh, in subsequent years by the person themselves. Uh, the person in question uh, many years ago was uh, based down in the Church of Ireland Diocese of Cork. Uh, had been selected uh, for uh, ministry training, uh, had gone to ministry training, uh, come out of that after three years, uh, and was desperate uh, in the name of the Lord to set the whole place on fire in mission, in ministry, uh, in all sorts of ways. The poor guy's sponsoring minister uh, could hardly keep up uh, with all of this activity uh, and felt exhausted uh, by all these plans that this guy had uh, to do all of these things uh, and found his enthusiasm great in some ways but slightly exhausting uh, in other ways uh, and thought we need to find something uh, for this guy to do to keep him busy uh, and keep him out of mischief. And he came across an advert uh, for a mission trip to Latin America, to South America, and particularly to Argentina, Spanish-speaking Argentina. And he suggested that he should go on that trip, and the guy was more than happy to go for three weeks to Argentina. He got there. He met 12 other people who'd also been selected uh, for the trip. The Anglican Bishop of the Americas uh, was there that day, and he introduced them all to each other because he'd done his homework, he knew who they were all were, and he went round the room and presented them all to each other. He got to the Irish guy, uh, and he said to the rest of the room, here is our friend from England. And there was this awkward silence uh, for a moment as the guy thought, oh, should I correct him? Should I not correct him? There's a bit of a diplomatic incident, uh, all of this. People are sensitive about, uh, about these things. He decided to let it go. Uh, lo and behold, somebody else uh, corrected uh, the bishop, and the situation became even more awkward uh, at that point. So the young, enthusiastic curate, uh, he thought to himself at that moment, uh, Here's an opportunity. Every crisis is an opportunity, uh, an opportunity to, uh, to to kind of take the, the the heat out of this, take the charge out of this moment, um, and uh, and uh, and really put everyone at ease again. So he thought to himself, what better way of doing that than in a few well-chosen words from the local language? And he stood up and he said, "El obispo está embarazado." thinking he'd said the bishop is embarrassed uh, by this diplomatic incident and everyone would laugh along. I don't know if anyone here speaks Spanish. Does anyone here uh, have any knowledge of Spanish a little bit? Uh, let me tell you that the word embarazado uh, in Spanish is what we call a false friend. Uh, it, is a, it is a word that uh, looks on paper like it might mean something. Uh, in this case, embarazado looks a bit like embarrassed, uh, but it means nothing of the sort. 
Uh, and lo and behold, uh, the enthusiastic uh, young curate had just stood up in front of the entire mission uh, and pronounced that Bishop Andrew was pregnant. The, uh, the bishop was none too pleased. Uh, the young man learnt uh, a valuable uh, lesson that day, uh, and I want to assure you, uh, with reference to previous sermons in this series, that the bishop was absolutely not pregnant. Uh, languages are complicated uh, things. They are dangerous uh, things as well, potentially dangerous things, but they also hold this really wonderful, powerful um, way of connecting us uh, together. Uh, you know yourself that if, uh, if you go away on holiday and you speak uh, in the native language, even just a few words uh, to the locals, they really appreciate that. It's basically a way of saying that you want to make the effort to connect uh, with them in whatever way you can. And it's the same with us. If people come uh, to our country who don't speak uh, the native language and make an effort to speak to us uh, in our native tongue, it just allows for a kind of communication and a relationship uh, to build uh, between us. The great miracle of the day of Pentecost uh, from Acts 2 that we just read about it's not so much, I don't think, that we have all of these different languages uh, being spoken there uh, that day. I think the great miracle of the day of Pentecost is that even though there was this great multitude of, being, uh, of languages being spoken there that day, the people all understood each other. There's a beautiful unity uh, of purpose uh, to the whole thing. And I think that's very important because in all ways that the Lord works through His Spirit and the outpouring uh, of His Spirit, what He's doing so much of the time is bringing about connection. Connection between us as a body of believers, but also, and much more importantly, connection between us and the risen and ascended Lord Jesus. If you read that passage you can almost feel the joy. You can kind of feel the energy and the buzz that was about that day and the day of Pentecost. There's this real sense that God was at work powerfully at the, in the lives of his people that day. And yet, I think we need to start from a place of recognizing that the Holy Spirit was not something new on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was there from the very beginning, from creation itself. We're told in Genesis 1 that the Spirit was hovering over the waters at creation. He was there right through Old Testament history. We've seen references to it uh, as we've read through so much of the Old Testament uh, in our immerse groups in recent months. He was inspiring, for example, David to write the Psalms. He was there uh, with Christ uh, through his ministry. And yet, the thing about the, old, uh, the uh, Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost that makes it different to all of that is that from the day of Pentecost onwards, the Spirit would come to live in people and not just come upon people. And the second big difference from the day of Pentecost on is that the Spirit would not just come in particular moments in someone's life. The Spirit would be with followers of Christ forever. So, they are the two big things about the day of Pentecost. The Spirit would dwell in us, and the Spirit would be permanent, not temporary. Just before Jesus ascended to be with His Father in heaven, He tells the disciples this in John 14, 
I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. Now, I think that is one of the most transformative promises that Jesus makes. And I think it's one of the uh, biggest things that we need to get our heads around uh, as followers of Christ today. Because this promise was not just made for the people who were gathered there on that day of Pentecost. This is a promise that is made to all believers, all who have put their faith and trust in Christ, all who are, as Paul puts it in his letter to the church in Corinth, baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, all are given the one Spirit to drink. Now, what that means is that if you're here gathered today and you're a follower of Christ who's received Christ, then you have received the Holy Spirit. You have been baptized in the Spirit, and it is final. It is once and for all. The Spirit dwells in us forever. But just as the Father and the Son, those other two elements of the Trinity, are also with us forever, and yet invite us deeper and deeper into relationship with them as we go on our Christian journeys, so we need to remind ourselves that for the power of the Spirit to work effectively in our lives, we need to keep asking for more and more. We need to keep turning to the Spirit. We need to keep receiving uh, the Spirit's work in our lives. We need to be open for the Spirit to, as Jesus said, advocate for us, to help us, to support us in difficult times, to empower us to face the challenges that we will all face from time to time in life, to equip us to undertake the things that God calls us into, to fill us with his peace when we are consumed by worry, to give us direction when we are feeling confused, to flood our hearts with love and forgiveness when we might be harboring some sense of anger or resentfulness, and to make us patient when we might want to rush. That is the work of the Spirit. But how does the Spirit do all of these things? Well, the answer is given to us again on the day of Pentecost, because just like all those people gathered there that day, speaking in all of these different languages, and yet united in praising God, the Spirit works in a beautiful diversity of ways, but always for one purpose. And that one purpose is that we would glorify Christ in our lives. So the Spirit will nudge us. The Spirit will guide us. The Spirit will lead us. The Spirit will prompt us. And it will always be gentle. It will never be coercive. It's not about giving orders and dictating. It's about guiding us gently into the ways of God. And so if you feel 
this gentle but unmistakable sense of guidance right in the very core of your inner being. Do that thing. Go to that place. Speak to that person. Make amends for that situation. And that sense of how you're being guided in your very inner being is in accordance with God's instructions for life as recorded in the Bible, then there's a very good chance that it is God speaking to you through his spirit. I say a very good chance because very often we will have to test these things and be sure about these things, especially if there's big things with quite life-changing, long-term repercussions. We'll have to pray them through. We'll have to talk about them with other believers until we feel that sense of peace that it absolutely is the Lord's will. And yet sometimes, let's be honest, there will be things that the Lord's Spirit uh, will do within us and prompt us to do and guide us to do. And you will just know that he's asking you to do it there and then. Go up to somebody, talk to somebody, ask for forgiveness for something, whatever it might be. But whatever it is, it will always be about glorifying God. It will always be about nudging you to follow God's will for your life and the life of the rose that he brings into your company. Now, I sometimes think that some of us, uh, even in the church today, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, sometimes we can get a little bit anxious uh, about this topic, I think. And that's possibly because we often associate it with large-scale miracles that can sometimes seem a little bit overwhelming. Now, the work of the Spirit is often dramatic. The events of Pentecost are dramatic events, and it's not just for those days. Even today, the Lord works in very dramatic ways. We saw a great outpouring of the Spirit, for example, in Asbury College uh, in the United States uh, just a few months ago, and a great sense of revival that came from all of that. But how did these events begin? They began in very humble, simple ways with a crowd of gather, with a gathering of believers coming to worship, not knowing what the Lord was going to do uh, those days in their lives. And mostly the Spirit will come quietly, barely noticed even sometimes as we breathe in and breathe out every second of our lives. And yet let's not lose sight of the fact that as the Spirit is at work quietly in our lives every minute of every day, of every month, of every year, that in itself is miraculous. And that in itself is amazing. And sometimes that can be overwhelming as well. Because what is the Spirit doing constantly in our lives? He is bearing us up. He is carrying us forward. He is connecting us with ourselves, the people we were created to be, He's connecting us with creation itself, and he's connecting us, most importantly, with God at the center of all things, the God in whom we live and move and have our very being, the God who is in us, the God who is around us, like the air that we breathe. The Spirit is connecting us into the work of God. And so just imagine for a moment, just imagine for a moment all those times you go through things in life or you need a bit of guidance in life, you need a bit of help in life and you pray for the Spirit and you feel a sense of peace or you feel direction or you feel uh, you're being guided in some way. Just imagine if we didn't have the Holy Spirit. 
Just imagine for a moment what life would be like if we did not have the gift of the Holy Spirit doing these gentle things day after day after day in our lives. So while we might focus on the big dramatic tongues of fire in other parts of the Bible, the Spirit is also associated with things like wind and with the image of the dove. Uh, If you watched the coronation uh, recently, you'll know that the most important part of that entire uh, event was where King Charles was taken behind the screens uh, for that moment of anointing, uh, anointing uh, with, with the oil that was blessed, but anointing in the power of the Holy Spirit And what was the image that was on those screens? It was the image of the dove. What connects fire with doves, with wind? They all need air. They all need air. That very source of life itself. The thing that sustains us. And so I think it's helpful if we start to think of the Spirit as God's gift that just like air, that gently lifts us, that sustains us, that breathes life into us every single day of our earthly lives. And sometimes we are too weak, and sometimes we are too down, or sometimes we are too depressed even to to call upon the Spirit to, to bring about these breakthroughs in our lives, and we've got to be honest about that. But you know, on those occasions, remember this. Remember that the Spirit that lives in you is praying for you even when you don't have the words yourself to know what to say. There's a wonderful way in which Paul puts it, and he writes this. He writes that the Spirit prays for us in sighs that are too deep for words. Never worry if you feel, you know, your life is tough and there's big things going on and you don't even have the words uh, to know what to pray, be assured that the Spirit is praying for you. Be assured that in those groans and sighs, the Lord hears all of your prayers in those moments. The Spirit is like this air within us that allows us to do and experience wonderful things. And sometimes it just allows us to keep going always it allows us to know the deep peace of Christ who assures us through his Spirit that he is alive, that he is with us, that he is working all things out for good purposes through us. In John 20, we read that just after Jesus' resurrection and before his ascension to heaven, he says this to his disciples, peace be with you, As my Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. God gives us the Holy Spirit because God understands the various stresses and strains that can deprive us of life. God understands health concerns. God understands financial worries. He understands anxieties about big issues in our lives. He understands when we are utterly crushed by grief. He understands when we are weighed down by loneliness. He understands when we are consumed by confusion about something that's going on in our lives that we do not understand. And yet, amazingly, he doesn't just leave us in those states. 
He sends His Spirit to be with us, to assure us that He is in charge and we can live lives of peace. And so amazingly, when the Spirit of God is often at its most miraculous and often at its most powerful, it's when He is simply filling us with this holy oxygen that is nurturing us, sustaining us, lifting us to a place where we will not necessarily get answers to life's burdens and questions, but where we will get something so much better than answers, where we will get this deep sense of peace, a peace that passes all understanding and assures us that God is in control and all we need to do is trust in Him. So the Holy Spirit is like the loving breath of the loving God, and it is freely given to us. Sometimes, like all gifts, we just need to claim them. We just need to accept them and through faith and trust receive the fullness of that gift by faith. And sometimes we just need the simplest words. We don't need to overcomplicate the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we just need to say, come Holy Spirit. That ancient prayer, come Holy Spirit, I need you. Fill me with life in you. I need you in my life. Help me with what I'm going through. There's a lovely prayer that puts it like this. So simple, but so profound. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew, that I may love the way you love and would do what you would do. So if you pray that prayer with an open and honest heart and those simple words, the most dramatic breakthroughs uh, could happen in life. Do you remember the story of Ezekiel that we read a few months ago and how the Lord took hold of Ezekiel and carried him away. And it says he carried him away by the power of the Spirit into a valley filled with dry bones. And the Lord said to Ezekiel to say to the bones, dry bones, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you, and I am going to make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. This is what the Lord is in the business of doing, making us live again. It seems amazing to read that. And it is amazing. And it is miraculous. But with the gift of the Holy Spirit to all followers of Christ at Pentecost, God is in the business every single day of the week of putting breath into us and bringing us to life each and every time that we ask for it. And we do need to ask for it. And it begins with that question. Do we want to live again? Do we want to live again? Do we want to come alive again? Because sometimes we will get ourselves into situations where we feel that the life is being choked out of us, where we feel a bit stifled, like we can hardly breathe because of some pressure that we're facing in life. And we start to panic a little bit about that. And it might be because we've made a bad decision about something. 
And it might be because we've got ourselves into some difficulties about something and we just cannot see a way out of it. And all we can see is this tunnel of darkness ahead of us and we don't know what to do about it. But God says, don't beat yourself up about that. The tunnel of darkness is not the end. Instead, receive the Spirit. Turn to the Advocate. Turn to the one who's on your side. Turn to the one who understands these situations. Turn to the one who has got the power to help you get out of that. Because no other human being will have the power to do that in the way that God does it, that comes with that peace that only he can give. So breathe on me, breath of God. Breathe on me, breath of God, until my heart is pure, until my will is one with yours to do and to endure. You might be here this morning or you might know somebody in your family circle or your community circle who is maybe going through something like this and maybe feeling a little bit sort of breathless uh, in their life uh, at the minute because things are running away on them and they just have the sense that they're not in control. Well, hallelujah, because none of us are in control. But it's what we do about that that's so important. If we're in these situations where we get this darkness that seems to stretch out before us and never seems to end, or we look at the weeks and months ahead almost obsessively in our calendar uh, and we get this sense of fear about them because we don't quite know what's in store for us with all of these things coming up, it's tempting to feel a little bit crushed in moments like that. But that's not how we were designed to live. That's not how God wants us to live. That is not his way for us. Jesus says, don't live like that. Call on the name of the Lord. Receive the Spirit. And know that you will be saved. Breathe on me, breath of God, so I shall never die but live with you the perfect life for all eternity. The Holy Spirit is given to us as this great gift, this great guarantor of the risen Lord's presence with us, of the risen Lord's power with us, of the risen Lord's love for us. The Holy Spirit exists to sustain us. He exists to guide us. He longs to transform us. He longs to lift us to those places of life in all of its fullness. Today, let's be those who say, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Fall afresh on me. And when we do, let us hear the reply of our risen Savior who meets us in those moments and has promised to us is that in reply he says, peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together.